If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Cheers. Cheers. Guess what today is? Cheers. It's Courtney's birthday. It's, it's Courtney's birthday. birthday. Cheers to Courtney. Woo-hoo. Raise a glass, Cheers. friends. Yay. And Marleo's was two days ago. Two right? days ago. Mm-hmm. We have we are close I, to birthday buddies, but not. See, I knew. I was thinking August. Mm-hmm. Some, and it must have been because of the skate party, which was epic. Yeah. Um, oh, our yeah. 40th yeah. skate Fun party time. where we nearly all so good. died you yeah. think we can do that well, again nearly <laughs> nearly all pulled all the muscles listen <laughs> just spending just spending a weekend painting my kids rooms wiped my old ass out so i don't know mm. that i could physically do another skate oh, i couldn't i okay. could barely do it and i was like that was at the peak of my running mm. and Right now, I'm at the peak of my sitting, and there's, there's no way. <laughs> I would hurt myself just trying to put the skates on at this point. It just, <laughs> just wouldn't happen. In fact, I just put, like, real people pants on today for the first time in a while. Real people pants. Man, and leggings all the time. It is, it's not a happy experience right now. The lower <laughs> half of my body is not happy. It's screaming. No. No more buttons and zippers. Well, that oh. needs that needs to change because you know what episode this is. This what? is episode sixty nine. Sixty nine. The lower half of your body should be the happiest <laughs> half. No joke. <laughs> that will be my theme for today's show. Oh, I can't wait. I, can't wait. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't you even always know. bring you always bring something good. So I just I can't wait. I don't even know what order we're going in. I do I do remember though, okay. I thought that we had already talked about this on the show, but it turns out that this whole conversation happened after our last episode, like one day after we recorded last. And this is the conversation about how to get your tomato plants to bear more tomatoes. Oh, yes. And I would, my dad. Yes. I would love for you to share where all of this, (laughs) what all of this is. Are you talking to me? I'm I'm eating a tomato sandwich from my tomatoes. You're very virile tomatoes. Patrice was the one who kind of kicked it off. So I was going to throw it to her. Okay. So my dad, I am obviously, we've talked about this many times, the black thumb of the family. I can't grow shit. And I didn't know that my dad could grow anything either until he sent me this picture of his tomato plants. And it literally is not a plant. It is like a bush yeah it's like like edges bush (laughs) tree yeah it's like eight feet tall you can't see through it it is like a jungle and I was like oh my god dad I was like how did that happen it's like he's like you know I got a late start I've only been growing them for a month and I was like yeah I've only been growing my tomato plants for a month but they're like (laughs) little bitty poles stick I was like what what did you do and he's like well He's like, I've been fertilizing them every day. 
sorry. And he gave me like the name of the fertilizer. I was like, okay, okay. He's like, and I also watched this guy on YouTube who cross pollinated with an electric toothbrush. <laughs> and I was like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, I'm not doing that. I, I am not using an electric toothbrush on anything but my teeth. Okay. And so I was telling Marleya and Courtney about this and then yep. I'll let you take over from there. Cause oh. you Googled it, so right? that night, this was after talk, right? Or after, after talk. And so yeah, I was, was like, after, Oh, after I need to look talk, into this because I want to make sure my tomatoes do well. And so I searched it and I sent them a screenshot of this this blogger or whoever posted this and i don't know if it's the same one her dad found but it said you can use an electric toothbrush or a personal uh vibrator if you would like <laughs> but imagine what your neighbors would think if you're out there with your vibrator vibrating tomatoes. <laughs> i'm just stimulating the tomatoes <laughs> and you know what they'll stop shaming you once they yeah. see your damn tomato plant those big tomatoes oh my god yeah the garden vibrator was like the first thing on my we have to talk about this at the beginning of the show <laughs> <Garden vibrator. laughs> that's uh, that's going to be our next venture okay so when we all mm. like when we are trying to recover from this next uh next spring we've got to We'll just take and like run of the mill Adam and Eve vibrator and re repackage it. After talk, <laughs> two big plump tomatoes on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has so many meanings, so many possibilities. Uh, so so many yay, so many. Puns. I had forgotten about this. <laughs> Oh, what, uh, what's been going on? What, what have you got? You got any pre-show talk today? I do not. I'm sorry. I was kind of leaning on you to. Oh, handle, I'm good. I've got more. And all the goodness and you brought it. So I've got more, man. I'm like, yeah, somehow ended up it. with just like a mother load this week. So mm, just for it. Did, We're doing do you have BYOB. We are doing BYOB today. Which yes. mine is Bloody Mary. I was going to make them all Bloody Mary, but they don't like them still. <laughs> I but actually do like you your Bloody Marys, but I was in the mood for this mimosa. Really, really in the mood. It is bacon in mine. It's mm -hmm. good. Air <laughs> fryer bacon. Delicious. Oh, no, yes. that's not air fryer bacon. That's microwave bacon. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my time. Mm, gotcha. No, mine's coffee with a nice dollop of spiced rum. Mm, very good. I've got um i've got champagne with so last night my kids wanted to make some sort of an orange julius sort of smoothie thing and i had some of that frozen orange juice concentrate that randy was like you should get this for them because they could turn this into something frozen like really easily so i had bought some and i defrosted it enough to get it out of the can and into the blender which it, it's been years since I've had those. Like my mom bought them all the time when I was a kid, but I completely forgot how to deal with them and that you have to like let them thaw on the counter enough for those edges to, you know, loosen up a little bit. So I threw that in the um, blender and I completely disregarded the rest of the recipe and just dumped a whole load of lactose-free vanilla ice cream in with it and mm -hmm. some water and then just hit smoothie and it's really good. So I poured it into... Um, I poured it into ice cube trays and just decided that that was what I was going to use to cool my mimosa. So it's just, oh, it's like lovely. frozen orange Julius 
you know, fake shit and champagne. Awesome. So I you're a dream sickle mimosa. It's a, yeah, it's a dream sickle yes. mimosa. Absolutely. It's um, delicious. No, I'm still trying to <clears throat> wake up and get coffee in me. Did you get your <laughs> air fixed yet? No? Yeah, it is. It's Woo! fixed. I'm just having I'm having old person hot flash. Mm, I feel that. That's what's happening here. That's and she just picked up something and started like fanning herself. Fanning myself. Oh, I I'm totally glad think your we air need conditioner's to... fixed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I have been like our electric bill is gonna be like four hundred dollars this month because I it is Arctic in here and I'm still like sweating. <laughs> like my feet are like purple. It's so cold in here, but I'm still sweating. <laughs> Oh, welcome to older age. Let's see. What else have I got? I had, um, oh, I've got two more things before we start okay. stories. One is uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Chris Jenkins, um, who Chris. is a, an old friend of Patrice's and who recently joined our Facebook Fans of the Strange South group, which if you're not a part of, hop on Facebook, Fans of the Strange South, ask to join, answer the questions or we will tell you no because we're very careful about who we let in there because we want it to be as fun as it is. <laughs> so, right. Right. But um, Chris hopped on and has been just awesome and fun and back and forth a lot. And he told a story on the fan group this past week about like an experience at that his, I guess it was his brother-in-law had going to visit a grave of his great grandfather do you remember the that his brother I, I don't remember the details and we're probably slaughter i'm slaughtering this i don't remember exactly but yeah i think it may have been his brother it's, going to visit it is it is eerie and really super cool and he told the whole story mm -hmm. in the fan group and you should really and, and there's a picture <laughs> and you oh, should totally picture. yeah you mm -hmm. need to hop on there and read that because it's just it's perfect it's amazing right. so um there was that and um yes. the other thing is this was okay so last episode i you guys heard courtney tell the story about how i fucked everything up and we ended up with an accidental amazing drink because she made that brandied peach stuff oh yeah for us. yeah and then it came from um a drink that was supposed to be the name of my story last time and mm -hmm. i didn't get to do it because a book didn't show up and i couldn't tell you what it was well um we're still not drinking that drink because I can't tell the story. But the name yeah. of the drink that she made the brandied cherries for. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which are is, in my fridge. Which are still in her fridge. really drunk mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks. <laughs> the, name awesome. of the, the name of the drink is the Claremont. And uh, the story I had planned to tell today, which I'm not going to tell. <clears throat> sorry about that. Was something about the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta. And um, yes. I'll just give I'll just give a shout out. That's like it's one of those places. It's more of a dive bar than a strip club, but it is some kind of strip club. And <laughs> oh yeah, I Courtney of Courtney's the only one of the three of us right who's been there. Right. Yeah, I've been multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's a dive bar. It's tiny, and but it's a strip club. Yeah, it's a strip club dive bar, and you'll see all the way to celebrities. Like, so I remember Mumford and Sons got kicked out of there when they were on tour and and after their show in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So wow. I, there's that's one group, but like 
big A-list people go there. So you Anthony Bourdain did yeah. a bit from there with um with Alton Brown at one point. Um, wow. And Willie Nelson has pictures with one of the famous <laughs> strippers, Blondie, yeah. on the wall. Because the thing is, like, the name of the book that I was ordering that I finally did get and which just didn't give me the story I needed was called No Cameras. And it's called No mm -hmm. Cameras Allowed. And that's, that's the how you rule. get kicked out. Like, they're serious. <laughs> you try and take pictures in the Claremont and they will fucking kick your ass to the curb, even if you're Mumford and Sons, which is why they got kicked wow. out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's it's a dive bar. It's under what used to be a total dive motel, but then got redone in Atlanta several years ago. As not now that it's long. like this. Yeah, it's not that long. They just reopened like last year. Yeah. And not they, even they at the beginning of the year, like in the middle of the year. And then they fucking mm -hmm. had to close for COVID again. They had a staff member come up positive for COVID recently and just reopened. And so I just, even though I'm not telling a story, about the Claremont today. I wanted to send some love to the Claremont. Yeah. <laughs> want to tell, tell y'all if you are in the Atlanta area and are in for a good time and you decide you're not going to be judgy, head to the Claremont, have just have an experience. You will enjoy it. I think most of the people who listen to this show can can go to this kind of joint and like enjoy yeah, themselves. their characters too like little bo peep is one of the ones. they're they they pride themselves it's on their unorthodox like strippers yeah um, they're not like uh you would see on television all very um unattainable body styles let me mm -hmm. just say it like that they're real people <laughs> and they look good and there are 70 year old strippers in yeah. there strutting their stuff there are but, women you know, who all kinds exactly Not everybody's in their 20s nope. and part of the joy of it i think is people just like being all out you know being them all out right so and uh that's kind of what they expect of people who walk in the door too you know good gotta... music dancing fun all different ages all different races mm -hmm. all different genders so <laughs> everybody you know, i don't encourage people to go to any bars right now because it is no, a shit show no. out there right mm -hmm. now but if you want to support the claremont in any way mm -hmm. you can follow them on twitter there are a couple different things that have been put up to help their staff get through this um, mm, and, yes. um, like GoFundMes and stuff. And they also do have a merch section of their website that is populated and you can buy merch directly from them and the money goes to them. So if you want to support the Claremont lounge in Atlanta, that's a way you can do it. One um, of my gifts from Marlea is a Claremont lounge shirt. I'll have to show it to you. For yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture and put it on so we can put it on the show. Mm -hmm. Cool. So anyway. That was that was my just update from last time. So sorry I let y'all down with the drink, but oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm still gonna make that drink. So I just didn't yeah. today. I birthday mean, day. I didn't. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. You're gonna eat those. I didn't want to do all that. I wanted to sleep <laughs> late. And since we're recording early know. for us at 11 a.m., it's like yes. uh, it's brunch I just day. To roll, roll out of bed, it eat it, and drink a Bloody Mary. <laughs> oh no! And as you should. And y'all. Yes. All right, well, I just double checked and I go you first, go first, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yay! I've just <laughs> so been, fun. I'm fucking shooting my mouth off today. This is, see, no, here's the thing. I love it. I'm a morning person. Yeah, We're doing yeah. this shit at 11 a.m. and like I'm in my zone right now. I, I can't, mm. like at 7 p.m., everything has, all my energy has been expended. So, all right. That's my prom, like two to Basically. 10. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought your prime was 10 to 2. Uh, 
<laughs> 10 p.m. to 2 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the not working. That, right. Like, okay. The work crime. crime for me is like when work is over is when I'm just getting geared up. Like, yeah, that's right. true. The 4.30, I'm like, oh, I just got started. <laughs> Feeling like I'm getting things done. All right. Well, here we go. Yay! I told you I'm themed. story time. I'm themed this week. I know you are. I know Episode you are. 69, oh baby. <laughs> and there's it's so 69. much recently. That oh my I'm God. Like, I didn't even touch simply because I'm like, it's too, first of all, it's wrapped up in something so unpleasant that I don't want to deal with it, but I know we're going to revisit it and just have a blast. Demon oh, sperm. That's yes. where I'm, that is where I am. Is that where you go? That is okay. where I okay, am. Good. That is where good. I I'm am. I'm glad you're tackling it. I am tackling it. Cause I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, the Claremont thing didn't quite work out. And I was like, I got to do something sexy. I got to do some sexy shit. And then all of a sudden the thing that falls in my lap is that headline that, that Trump's new favorite COVID doctor believes in alien DNA, demon sperm, and hydro hydroxychloroquine. Um, so, uh, y'all, if you live under a rock, here's the the quick version of this. Um, and this is mostly via Will Summer at the Daily Beast, who wrote that article that I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, so I think it was July 27th. It was like, like what this earlier this week. For us. yeah like monday mm-hmm. um i think it was monday so trump and trump jr both retreat retweet a breitbart video featuring dr stella emmanuel who is claiming that and we're not gonna get we're not gonna get ourselves angry here we're moving on to other things but she is claiming that wearing masks is unnecessary because hydroxychloroquine is a cure for covid19 and she's used it successfully to treat thousands of patients this is what she says in this article so we're just going to treat that by saying, never mind that medical consensus is that this drug is not a helpful therapy and that it often causes further harm and sometimes death in COVID patients. But um, also never mind that Dr. Stella and her staff all currently wear masks and sometimes N95s in her practice in a strip <laughs> mall in Houston. And also, never mind that her practice in the strip mall in Houston is right next to her church, which is called Firepower Ministries with Stella Emanuel. Like her fucking name is in the name of the church. And she's a um, brand. Right? She's yes, a brand. She and but, so I mean, like her church, like she founded it and she preaches at it and she has a radio show and a blog about it. And um, so this is a charismatic Pentecostal church. And um, so again, this is from the Daily Beast article, but in, you can find it anywhere. Um, in sermons that she's posted on YouTube and articles on her website, Dr. Stella claims that medical issues like endometriosis, cysts, infertility, impotence, all kinds of other shit are all caused by sex with spirit husbands and spirit wives. Um, real life sicknesses stem from demonic sperm after demon dream sex. So according to Dr. Stella, people can tell if they have taken a demonic spirit husband or spirit wife because they will have a sex dream about someone else, like a celebrity or somebody who they're not, you know, married to. <laughs> and, um, and it will cause them to have issues with their real life partners or actually I know there's no partners in her worldview so um spouses only only spouses 
So they could, and she says you could also possibly just be having dream sex with a human witch who is using astral projection to have sex with you in your dreams. Um, if only. Right? I swear <laughs> to God, that's like the, everything that I read. I was just like, who would say no to these things? <laughs> um, so it, there was, there's a ton more in this. Uh, if you want to, you can keep looking. The DNA from space aliens part, the um, scientists have planned to develop a vaccine that makes it impossible for people to become religious part. Um, oh, yeah. The claim that Hannah Montana is a gateway to evil, and I, I don't really... <laughs> I don't know that any parent who's watched that show would necessarily disagree with that one. But, um, oh <laughs> and then there's the, the claim That's that- That's her the, only legitimate statement <laughs> so far. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then there's the claim that the American government is run in part by non-human reptile people who are a combination between humans and some ET-like figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know she was on the lizard. Oh, she's the on the lizard, lizard people train. Yeah, she's oh, on the lizard people train. She's so, way out there. So because of all this stuff, I'm talking about night demons today. <gasps> sexy, sexy night demons. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be the name of, of our show title. Sexy, 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 night, sexy demon. night demons. Um, and I will, I will add in a scary night demon at the end just as a bonus for everybody, but we're going to do the sexy ones first. So okay. um, the, <laughs> it's scary enough to know that Dr. Stella is not alone in her beliefs about sexy yeah, she's sexy the most night frightening demons. thing that I've i know heard right? You say, right yeah yeah um belief in sexy demons is not uncommon in pentecostal and charismatic faiths um her particular brand of belief you tend to find um, among believers in churches and pentecostal churches in like nigeria and she's from cameroon originally and she went to school in nigeria so that may be where some of this kind of background is coming from but it's in U.S.-based traditions, too, just in different forms, right? So if, you know, Courtney and I talked earlier this week about, like, if you're Pentecostal in Sand Mountain, you believe, you know, and, and uh, Patrice, the snake bitings, you know, the snake handling stories. I mean, right. it, it, well, it's not a huge jump, you know? It's no, just, no, it's no. not. It's, um, I know when I read that article this week, too, about the church near me where I grew up that had all these members that went to an old-timey revival and caught COVID from one another. And they were like, we would do it again. And I was like, I, you know what? I don't doubt it because they mm -hmm. would also handle snakes. So, mm -hmm. you know right. what? Danger or whatever. Mm -hmm. Lord will protect us. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. So, no, Move that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same thing. So, like it's this this is not exclusive these kind of belief systems are not exclusive to the south but they're definitely here you find them in louisiana where um dr stella practiced for years and years and finally she moved to texas because of a malpractice lawsuit surprise surprise mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you find them in the carolinas the coastal carolinas florida mississippi it's almost like wherever you find voodoo you find pentecostalism mm. <laughs> interesting that is interesting yeah. they're not that different but right um, so i know they're very different but this like ability to believe in these like spirit spiritual warfare stuff is mm. is a huge commonality right so spiritual warfare types see everything that is threatening to their narrow morality as a demon attack 
Um, and since sexy things are super, super scary to fundamentalists, it makes sense that there would be sex demons everywhere. So um, demons make you masturbate. They make you cheat on people. They make you get kinky. They make you keep your eyes open during sex. They make you super gay. <laughs> And uh, that's just, <laughs> not, not just a little gay, but super gay, super gay, <laughs> fabulously gay. Um, and uh, so there's here's just one example of this. So in 2012, there's a there's this Christian um, magazine called Charisma, and it's um, I don't know if it's it's only an online magazine. Anyways, you can find it. It's still it's still online. Um, Charisma magazine Chris- ran an Charisma Charisma like yeah okay. Yeah, okay. charisma, charisma, which I, yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a fitting name, right? But um, well, it seems totally fitting compared that like a lot of con artists are very charismatic. Oh, there you so, go. go very good, very good. We're drawing the lines. We're connecting the dots. Um, but so, Charisma Ad- uh, magazine in 2012 wrote this article about a woman named Contessa Adams. And I will preface this by saying it is almost impossible to find any reference to this woman outside of Charisma magazine. So it must be true. Mm -hmm. But so this story got picked up by a lot of people alternate, like a lot of people, um, you know, signal boosted for this. And a lot of people just like completely grabbed onto it just to blast it. And that's why it's all over the internet. But so this woman is originally from Dominica um in her she wrote an autobiography which you can no longer get on amazon so i wasn't able to access it um she in her autobiography she had a tough life she um had abusive boyfriends um she became a stripper at age 18 and then she toured europe in the 70s she was so um you know she was a teenager in the 70s um according to this christian magazine i I find it really interesting that they included this detail that she was a stripper touring Europe and her, her signature move was pouring hot wax down her near naked body while bound in chains. Did they and have I, to go do research? I, I wonder. I really do. Mm. I wonder. <laughs> um, so she no, moved. I swear, it's for the book. I, here, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here, here are my stubs for my travel. <laughs> Reimburse me. Um, so she moves to the U.S. She, um, according to the magazine, found Christ. Uh, this is my air quotes. In 1979, she spoke for the first time at a prayer breakfast at a Kentucky church in 1982. And from there went on to tour the country talking about her experience having sex with demons. And this is the part that I find the most believable because we've talked a billion times about the satanic panic and Mike Warren Key and all these people like the evangelical Christianity was like, killing for these folks who could say you know that they were having sex with demons apparently in the 80s but um so she um she claimed just like dr stella that these demons prey on people by performing sexual acts through nightmares and erotic dreams so basically if you're 15 and you have a wet dream demon sex if you're 42 and watch HBO before bed and end up fucking Idris Elba or Charlize Theron after you go to sleep <laughs> or both. Um, it's a sexy, sexy demon sex. Um, and so Adams says in this article, quote, some people become so dependent upon these demonic experiences that they actually look forward to them. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, duh, of course you would. Sorry, I gotta go to sleep, honey. I know. 
<laughs> not tonight. I got to save my energy. <laughs> like seriously, because like anybody would think that like if you if you feel this way about sex dreams, chances are your real life sex life is not good. Like you're not having great sex in your waking hours. So yes, you're gonna look forward to this. Um, she goes on to say, quote, anybody that has been attacked by demons will tell you they're worried that they could not find this kind of pleasure with mortal people. I'm like, can I sign up for this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's horrible at being against things. Like, right. really bad. Right. Make, making a bad, good case for this. Or maybe this <laughs> yeah, writer exactly. in Charisma Magazine is just kind of, uh, it's, yeah. maybe it's just kind of letting it sneak out there but um right. she says she used to be attacked regularly by a succubus spirit i y'all probably know so an incubus is a, a male demon no yeah an incubus mm -hmm. is a male demon that sexually attacks um generally females and a succubus is a female demon that sexually attacks generally males and so she says she used to be attacked by a succubus often and um she says, quote, that it confused me so much that I contemplated becoming a lesbian. And I was like, lesbianism is not a decision. Right? <laughs> I was just going to say, maybe it was already there. And there right? Was no contemplating. Maybe it would be. repression. Seriously. Like, it might be good for your mental health if you let this bleed into your real life a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and damn, she's bad at this. Because <laughs> for real, I'm like. She confused me so much with her constant attacks in my nighttime hours. Um, so, but this kind of, this hits on like the bigger issue in a way, because these, you know, if you looked into Dr. Stella at all, you would see the massive bias against LGBTQ people in her oh, teachings. Yeah. Um, so when you hear about sexual demons being expelled from people, sometimes, yeah, it's demons of masturbation or fornication or just lust or whatever. Lots of times it's about gay people. And if you Google deliverance ministries, you are very likely to find an organization in your city or your state that will expel the homosexual demons from your poor little perfectly normal and worthy of love gay bee in your life. So, um, if if you want to know more about that part again i'm keeping this a little lighter today and but i couldn't i couldn't back off of this part but if you want to know a little bit more about this go to the show page if you go don't do this on a regular basis like every episode we have on our website a show page that's specific to that episode so go to episode 69 i'm gonna drop a link for a salon.com article by tana geneva um that uh it is called christian group says demon sex makes you gay very easy to find and they're um, free within 50 miles of us oh yeah i mean you'd be surprised try it give it a shot one, in is, your an, one is eight miles away yeah so yeah. um so you can go if you read this article you will go all the way miles. down the rabbit hole to the transform our world evangelical organization that has been active in uganda and if you don't know about uganda and its history with lgbtq people they are trying to make it a death penalty offense so this is funny mm. not funny um mm, so yeah. let's get back to demons licking people in their sleep so i found um a series demon licking people in their sleep. <laughs> is that what you okay I'm, what I'm, I'm here for yeah. it go for it um, so i found there there are like psych studies there is actually a psychic like a psychic no uh, psychological phenomenon uh, that is called the incubus phenomenon 
Um, and this is a, a common, semi-common occurrence where people believe that demons are having sex with them in their sleep. And you can find case studies online pretty easily. Some of it runs kind of parallel to sleep paralysis. Mm. And Patrice, you've covered sleep paralysis in a couple different, like the boo hag, right? The boo hag that comes right. and sits on your chest. Except right. That was the part. Rockford house. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. They, we talked about it. But you talked about it, too, in one of your stories, I think. But yeah. maybe, maybe it was just yeah. Rockford. We did talk about the boo hag. We it's, did because we've yeah, been doing this a while. Like we have, episodes. right? Um, sixty-nine times. I know, sixty-nine <laughs> times. But see, now it's this is like I guess in this case the boo hag sitting on your chest is also putting her tits in your mouth. I think that's the difference. That have no skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, totally different experience. There. Different yeah. experience. So these cases that they find in these studies often have like PTSD and schizophrenia. Um, diagnosis makes sense attached yeah. to them exactly and so you can treat these things with medical therapies or you can treat them with um how do you treat them uh okay so there's a website called team ministry tools that lists eight steps for deliverance from sexual demons this is how okay. i'm sure she was being sarcastic though just this, so y'all know yes this is how <laughs> i'm sure get treatment dr <laughs> stella would argue. yes <laughs> right. dr stella would say that you should get treated by your by um these steps for your sexual demons one of them okay so step four in this list is when an attack begins say verbally and out loud something like i know what you are and what you're here for and i renounce you in jesus name i do not receive your seed into me and will not give birth to your offspring <laughs> of evil <laughs> Mouthful. <laughs> I could, so, I could be like, hold on, let me get my notes. <laughs> Offspring of evil. Um, so <laughs> there's a caveat to this. So th in this website, it says, don't expect this to work if you are still willfully watching pornography, horror films, listening to sex-filled secular music, watching uh -oh. soap operas, uh -oh. <laughs> reading horoscopes, etc. Well, that pretty much eliminates everybody, I feel like, in our fan group. I was like, we're <laughs> fucked, y'all. But you know what? Maybe that's not such a bad thing, because we could all deal with a little demon sex now and then, I think. I think yeah, ma'am. I think all of us are a little into this idea. Um, so the <laughs> you're welcome, friends. Um, <laughs> the, so the, oh the gist God. of this website is, these things will happen to you because you are spiritually weak, or you are engaging in willful sin. So the sequence to deliverance in this tradition check is... Check and check. I know, right? <laughs> but it's like shaming. Shaming is the secret to success. And it always has been and it always will be. So at the time that this, this article that we started with, this Charisma article on Contessa Adams was written, Contessa Adams was a lay preacher at a South Carolina megachurch. Um, and the article said... Quote, Adams knows how to warn men in the church about sexual temptation. She said, I want men to understand how dangerous the wrong women can be. We might be one of the most beautiful creations, what were dangerous outside the realm of God. So I guess the moral of their article is we are shamed for what we do. We are shamed for what other people do to us. We are shamed for who we are and we are shamed for how we fucking dream. So I would like to end the sexy demon portion of this segment with the public service announcement that sexual shame is horrible. 
Yeah. And it does yes. not make your life any better. No. So you should get out your fucking garden vibrators and your blindfolds and your strap-ons <laughs> yes. and go lick somebody's asshole if that's what you're into. <laughs> and you should go fuck somebody on the kitchen counter and you should enjoy it because you're fucking gorgeous and it's going to feel phenomenal. <laughs> and I would personally venture to say that God will love that you're loving it. So... <laughs> That's the end of the sexy Amen. demon part. <laughs> wow. Wow. And there's more. There's more because I didn't want to listen. I've been like, I've recognized that I have totally veered away from this scary, creepy part of this podcast in recent episodes. And so I did find another link and I wanted to throw in some scary, creepy here because um, yes. I'm going to, we're, we're going to switch to what is the scary night demon from the sexy night demon. Um, so on the same website that had all of these steps to how to deliver yourself from a sexy, sexy night demon, they had a list of the names of all the night demons that you could possibly get. And most of them were things like Ashtaroth and Sozo, Zozo. <laughs> and um, like STDs, right? These what, about the, what about the constantly going to the bathroom at night demon yes. <laughs> i'm sure that's, that's one. old oh age or i know that's blame something that on a demon <laughs> no that's no you'd blame that on your that's... own willful sin okay just i'm, oh, just being okay, clear. Well, I'm sorry i've already accepted that okay <laughs> it's my fault but uh I'm right there with so, you. so there are these weird alcohol i drink <laughs> i know right it's that's your sin so the um so there's all these lists of names of these like biblical demons and you know all these and then right in the middle it said hat man and i was like huh man and so um this christian site said that the hat man is the most commonly seen demon that it feeds off of fear and it's possible that the hat man is the devil himself um the so the haunting I, of hill house there mm -hmm. was a hat man in the haunting of hill house he was fucking scary he yeah. was scary the scariest one and yeah. yeah so this i started looking up hat man and the hat man appears at night that's why it's a night demon um usually appears and this is just from what i saw in people's rooms it looked like or in people's hallways or outside their rooms where they could see it in the hallway it wears a long coat sometimes a trench coat some people say it's like a tapered sort of Victorian dealy. And um, it's almost always reported as wearing either a fedora, a floppy farmer's hat, or a stovepipe hat, like an Abe Lincoln top hat thing. Um, it will stand and stare at you in the dark. It almost never touches anybody. See, this all tracks with the Hill House stuff, right? Because it mm. didn't touch anybody. It just yeah. like was scary as fuck. Right. It would just come out of the yeah right ceiling yeah. or whatever on them it would just yeah work. when and they were it, on the couch uh -huh. and it yeah. would just it would just stand there float and watch mm -hmm. would like float mm -hmm. above but it wouldn't touch you and people say that they can feel evil like emanating off of it in waves and it's sleep paralysis exactly mm -hmm. yes yeah, sleep paralysis is paralyzing it's terrifying so you know how i am and i connect this immediately like patrice just did with sleep paralysis like I found a ton of first-person accounts of this apparition, and most of them were when people were young kids, like between five and 10 years old, when they're in bed. So, you know, to me, this all tracks, like 
Poltergeist 2 came out in 1986. And if you remember how terrifying that preacher in the hat was in Poltergeist 2. Oh my God. I mean, he was like a skeleton. No shit. He was, did you know he was, so the actor that was playing it was actually like dying when he recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. He looked it. And that's that's part of what made it so scary but um mm-hmm. so it was the character the reverend kane and so if you if, if kids that age even saw a preview of this movie they probably would have had these kind of night terrors for years right so yes. i was i'm kind of like okay well this is that's the hat man you know maybe that's where this comes from so um i'm willing to kind of write it off at first even though it's kind of striking how similar these kids accounts are because i'm reading more and more and more i find this site called the hat man project and unfortunately, the site kind of went defunct in 2018. A lot of the links are dead. But if you go to Facebook and follow the Hatman Project, you can go down and scroll down their stories and you can still find the links to all of the previous stories. He asked people to send in their first person accounts of the Hatman. And so you can go scroll through that and look at all these. It's kind of fascinating. And there was one that I hit on that, like, I think I would have told this even if it wasn't Southern, but Ooh. this ended up kind of being from a southern person it was from a sociology phd student at the university of georgia who is a skeptic 100 percent, and the story gave me the fucking creeps so so glad we're telling this in the daytime i know right (laughs) so here's here's the story um she said uh, it was 2011 when this, this experience happened. She's living in a single family house with her boyfriend and her best friend is in the house with her and they realize she's visiting from out of town, the best friend is. And so um, they realize around 9 p.m. that, um, you know, Lana is the name of the, the person who wrote in the story that Lana remembers she was supposed to go let a dog out for another friend of hers and she'd forgotten to do it. It's nine. So um, her, her best friend who's visiting from out of town goes out to her car and um, you know, the best friend's car is in front of the house and Lana's car is in the driveway. So um, there's like a, a little short stretch of privacy fence between her house and her neighbor's house it's one of those houses where the front door doesn't face the street it kind of faces the side and so the the section of fence between her and her neighbor's house is very short and there's like a little jut out where it pulls back for the electric box to go so that the person who reads the meter can go in there but that's all it is it's just a little tiny space and um so lana goes out to the driveway and starts to walk around the front of her car and when she gets parallel to the fence she just stops and like i said it's 9 p.m she lives in a like neighborhood where the houses are really close together there are street lamps everywhere you know it's it's not dark dark um and there's enough light for her to see fairly well and she stops and turns to look at the fence and there's a solid black figure standing at the fence and it's turned towards her and she says i distinctly remember staring back at it for like a full few seconds it could have been even longer because i was thinking is that my shadow and like she looks at the ground between her and the fence and she's not casting a shadow there the um the solid black figure looks like it's almost like it's painted on the fence it's like a two-dimensional figure it's featureless Somehow she has the feeling that it's male. It has the silhouette of a brimmed hat as best she can remember. Its posture is not 
like defensive or agitated. She said it's standing straight and very calm. And she said it was almost like um, the posture of like a person watching a street performer who's really not that interested, but watching. And she said, as she looked at it, it just calmly stepped sideways into the space between the fence and the house. It didn't turn and walk that way. It just looked like it stepped, even though it wasn't close enough to just take one step into that space. So when it stepped there, she couldn't quite see it anymore. And she kind of like, she remembers having the, she said, I remembered having the reaction. Okay. And she quickly got into her car and she started it. She turned on the headlights and she stared at the space because she's expecting this person to come back out of the space. There's no, well, there's no other way to get out. You know, it's just the little cubby where the electric right. box is. And right. um, so she's watching to see if the weeds in the lawn are moving, if maybe somebody's going to run out and she can see somebody moving. She's watching the fence because the fence is kind of crappy and old. And if somebody climbed it, it would shake, like it would vibrate. And she sees nothing. Mm -hmm. She even tested all this later. Like if somebody was standing there and tried to climb the fence, it would move. Nothing moved. So, um, you know, eventually her friend calls her on her cell and is like, why are you just sitting here? Like, is everything okay? Is something wrong? And she's, she kind of passes it off. And they go she and check on the dog. She doesn't want to panic anybody. They go and check on the, the dog. They come back. And um, the next day she does tell her friend about what she saw. And her friend is a, um, has just come back from law enforcement training, like basic training for law enforcement. So she's studying all this stuff about how to tell if there's been an intruder, because her assumption then is after she's away from it for a second, okay, well, this was a person who was standing out here. Um, and there have been burglaries in the neighborhood before. And so she's thinking, okay, well, that's the most likely thing. So she has her friend come. There is no trampling down of any like any uh, plant life in the spot there's no damage to the fence there's no evidence that anybody tried to climb anything that when they try to go over it they realize it probably would have even collapsed if someone that height and male had tried to go over the fence um and she said it sounds so awful to say that you wish there was an intruder lurking around your house but she said that's i can't reconcile this with what i saw that she said she it couldn't have been a person and she was like i stared at it for lots of seconds and she said um she said that it scared her so badly that she couldn't even process it emotionally that she is academic she's rational she's reading all these papers after the fact to try and make some sense out of what she saw and she said if it had been a person i would expect i would have like if i thought it was my neighbor i would have immediately said their name if I thought it had been an intruder, as I looked at it, I would immediately yelled yeah. to try and get the person to leave. But all I could do was stand there and stare at it because I just couldn't make any sense of what I saw. And she said, um, if it was somebody, why didn't they run away? You know, like when they walked outside, why wouldn't they have left? Why wouldn't they have run away? And so, you know, she, all she could think was like, I can't, I can't make any sense of this. And she can no longer, she used to watch like ghost hunting shows and stuff like that because she's a skeptic and she kind of got a kick out of it. And she says she can't do it anymore. She said she can't mm -hmm. watch anything like that because it scares the shit out of her now. And wow. so she sent this story into his website because she's just like, I, 
I don't know what else to do. It's like I looked everywhere. What year I can't was figure it? it out. 2011 was when she had the experience. 11. And it's actually got her email. So I'm probably going to try and email her and see like if she had any more anything because it's just it was fascinating but just that idea of like a two-dimensional thing standing on the fence and then like just stepping to the side and disappearing anyway so that's the scary apparently possibly devil night demon and if you've ever Mm. seen the night demon you should let us know all right (laughs) hat man a hat man scary Story. That's yes. my story. Okay. We're back. <laughs> are, we, are we back? Yes, we're back. Trying to get all my stuff in a row. So absolutely love that story that you told. I knew you were gonna bring the fire. You brought the fire. <laughs> yeah, man. Not Sexy disappointed. And not disappointed at all, which I've well, never thank am. you. I mean. You're like the best. <laughs> Love it. All right. Take a sip of coffee. So I am continuing kind of this theme that I have been on. And I thought that since this is episode 69, like we discussed earlier, that um, it would fit right in. And I really do need to buy this book, Brothel's Depravity and Abandoned Women, The Illegal yes. Sex of Antebellum New Orleans by Judith Schaefer, right? However, as I I was like flipping through some of this stuff, you know, Googling all the words that you would think with strange South and sex and, (laughs) you know, all going down that rabbit hole. uh, I quickly came across the legalization of the sex trade during the Civil War. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. So there's a series that I haven't watched on PBS called Mercy Street, and it's about a hospital during the Civil War. And apparently one of their characters named Alice Green said something. She said, war has a funny way of changing all the rules. And that's basically what we're going to talk about. So war, during wartime, uh, things loosened up quite a bit for women no pun intended, Uh, (laughs) as far as like, you know, travel restrictions or courtships, it wasn't as scrutinized as much. There wasn't as many chaperones available. Um, So it became a little bit better, you know, for women to be a little bit more independent, if you could call it that. Mm. Uh, Also, during the war, if you were white, and educated more than likely uh, your occupation would be a nurse mm. so a lot of white educated women became nurses during the wartime and at, during that time half of all women um, in the antebellum time actually worked uh for a while until they got married and but this is all of this has to do with class so upper class white women and, and we can pretty much, when I'm talking about women, uh, just assume I'm talking about white women because this is mainly the history that was documented, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of, you know, half of the white women prior to the Civil War worked uh, and until they got married. 
And then once they got married, they were, you know, assumed to have children and take care of the man and, and whatnot. Mm. And this, of course, varies depending on their class. Uh, working class, about a third of the population of females continued to work throughout their lives. And this third was known as the working poor. And many of these were immigrants and, uh, and we're still not, of course, uh, black women at the time were enslaved people. So immigrants, I haven't looked into like what they're calling immigrants. So I'm assuming immigrants like Irish, uh, people that had just come over, uh, Poland, uh, mm-hmm. and so forth. So these working uh, women, you know, they got wages, uh, but of course they were abysmal. The most common kind of work available to the working class was uh, domestic service. So this was like cleaning, laundering, meal prep, caring for children. Uh, But instead of pay, if you were in the service uh, a domestic services, more than likely you lived at the household that you were working for. And so most of your pay went into the form or went in the form of room and board. Mm. And you still had limited autonomy uh, as a uh, caregiver or, you know, house cleaner or whatnot at this time. So you know, if you weren't working in the domestic service industry, then as a woman, uh, your next choice would be like a textile worker. So cutting patterns, sewing stuff, spinning thread, weaving cloth, and all of this. And, and before I get too further into this, let me go ahead and cite my sources. So I already talked about the uh, brothels source from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh also, America flirted with legalized prostitution during Civil War. Uh, I got off of the history.com. Uh, Dirty Sexy History <laughs> by Jessica Kell, which is a website uh, blog that I totally would recommend um, visiting. And Women's Work and Sex Work in the 19th Century America by uh, Anya Jabor from PBS. So this is all my sources. So working class, you know, domestic services, you could go into factory work, which is mainly textiles, which was considered still uh, women's work. And however, you know, you could also be a seamstress. So you could like have your own place and, and, and or maybe, you know, people could bring you stuff and you would either laundry or sew for them. But when uh, times got bad, when there was economic downturn, these would be the first uh, services that would be eliminated. And so you could find yourself out of work very quickly. And um, when things got bad economically, a lot of women went into the sex trade because that was like the last resort. It was the last thing um, available to them. Uh, So in addition to, you know, going into the sex trade from being like a seamstress or a domestic house servant, uh, abused and abandoned wives also made up about one fourth of the sex trade. Mm -hmm. So it, it was pretty much like, you know, like I said, last resort. And while you think, you know, 
every the sex trade actually was better monetarily somewhat and you would think like maybe these ladies you know going in would definitely be rolling in the benjamins or something <laughs> but sex workers actually only i mean they could earn as much in an hour as a seamstress could in a day so they were earning more than they did but again they were looked down upon as being the lowest of the low and um and it was still you know i think it was anyway i don't know where i was going with that so <laughs> did you they know. have to did they have to like pay portions either to like madams or pimps well, or i'm anything? sure i'm sure yeah like if you worked in a house which i offered levels of protection uh then you know um, you would pay surely, yeah surely a, a percentage to uh, your madam or your pimp or whoever so uh so it what you made a little bit better but it was a higher risk job than being a seamstress obviously so sex trade has always been thriving it was thriving in the big cities in the south like new orleans like i've already talked about with brick top and bridget stabby stabby fury <laughs> and um and of course new orleans got an exceptionally bad rap um, and it was known as the perfect Sodom. And oh, the wow. reason that New Orleans got such a bad rap is because in the uh, houses of disrepute, disrepute uh, it was blacks and whites were the sex workers. And interracial sex was seen as the lowest of the low and it was the most frowned upon by everybody and that's why you know it it got such a, a bad rap and there's actually i was reading an article about memphis it's, it's just horrible it's mm -hmm. just horrible all the way around but i am not talking about new orleans although that would be a good topic to go into later on i am talking about nashville so as soon as the war started up Nashville, well, Tennessee was like, and, and again, I'm not totally up on all my Civil War knowledge here, uh, but Tennessee was the last state to separate from the Union, and it still had a lot of people in the state that sympathized with the Union and who actually fought for the Union. Mm -hmm. And which is strange enough because Tennessee, Nashville was the Confederate capital. So Tennessee, Nashville, Confederate capital, but still a large majority were uh, union or uh, union sympathizers. And a lot of it, from what I've read, seems to be because the uh, main crop in Tennessee was corn and not cotton and corn uh, was grown by a lot of the poor farmers who did not own enslaved people and so they were more sympathetic obviously to the union than the power plantations down that were growing cotton and um, had hundreds of enslaved people working for them so that was my take on it all right but back to nashville so 
Nashville was the Confederate capital for whatever reason, but soon became overcame by Union forces uh, who took over the capital and occupied Nashville, Tennessee, and they moved the capital to Memphis at that time. So Nashville, Tennessee was the largest city on the Western Front during the Civil War, and it's right there on the, um, the Cumberland River. So it was a port city. It was like very integral for the Union to grab hold of this capital here. And so the, they occupied it with like 100,000 troops. So let me ask this, and I didn't look this up, but maybe y'all know. When they say troops, because this always confuses me, are they talking about individual soldiers? Is individual soldiers a troop? Because to me, troop is like a group of people. Yeah, that's but, I think it's an individual. But I think they refer to like this as individual mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. yeah. which does not make sense to me. Anyway. Hmm. So, I like it's the plural troops, but it's a trooper. So, oh, yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. Okay. I knew y'all would know. Thank you. Courtney knows the things. Um, so, uh, so Nashville was occupied with soldiers, uh, Union soldiers, and it served as the a large garrison from up north. And most of these soldiers were between the ages of eighteen to twenty-two, um, super young male soldiers. And once they got to Nashville, they were expected to pop their cherry at <laughs> something called Smoky Row. Uh -oh. So Smoky Row was about three quarters of a mile in downtown, or what is downtown Nashville now. And on both sides, there were uh, brothels. So uh, at the time that the war started, uh, Smoky Row had about 200 sex workers working the red light district there. Wow. Um, and there was actually a census done in 1860 and they said like 207 were, uh, women occupied uh, or was listed as boss oh it's that word again so it's that yeah. word that showed up so i'm guessing boss means sex worker yeah it is what they're calling it and said they said like 198 were white and nine were mulatto and Which so a dirty word was right um so this was before the war. When the troops got there, their numbers became about 1,500 sex workers. So Whoa. they like multi, like quadrupled. Like, of course, you know, sex works follows soldiers because mm -hmm. that's just you know, we've got young mm -hmm. soldiers who's left girlfriends and wives. It's an uh, employment opportunity. So people in that trade are going to come to these port cities and sell their trade, right? And um, most of the sex workers uh, were these females from these different backgrounds, uh, Southern women who had to earn a living after their male family member went to war. Mm -hmm. uh, it was mainly, you know, and also people who lost their jobs for whatever reason or didn't have a job. So, union officers started to complain 
and union doctors were hearing the word venereal disease come up almost daily, if not hourly, in this area. And it became such a huge problem. So the union provost marshal, George Spaulding, in July of 1863, began rounding up women. And he rounded up, uh, well, he, previously they, they gathered like 1,500 women and like marched them up to uh, Louisville, Kentucky and kind of just dropped them off. <laughs> and the women were like, fuck this. And they walked their ass back. <laughs> <laughs> because well, so, part, part of me is like okay well sure work. you can test the women but the men are doing this shit too like which ones of them got fucking we, bd we will get to that exactly. yes absolutely uh he took about a hundred of they said the most vulnerable and i don't know if they were just being polite but they took about a hundred sex workers and forced them onto this riverboat called the idaho and it's spelled exactly how you think it would be spelled. Uh, and they sailed it back up to Louisville, Kentucky, on the Ohio River. And they were going to just drop them off up there to get them away from the soldiers. But <laughs> when they went to port uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, all the men heard about this riverboat full of sex workers. And so they like stormed the docks trying to get onto the boat. And the soldiers literally had to shoot at the men from these port towns to keep them from boarding the boat. Sounds like the men are the problem here. Um, you think? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they next tried to drop them off at... Um, <laughs> Let's see. How about just learn to test for venereal diseases for them and uh, keep them safe? I don't know what they did there for safe sex practices. I've well, heard some things. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> get to that. So they try to drop them off Sheep at skin. Sits and <laughs> Sheep stomach. <laughs> they, Go they ahead. I'm sorry, Pete. That's all right. Uh, they tried to drop them off at uh, Cincinnati and, of course, the same problem. And they're trying to get on the boat. And the, and the towns didn't want them. They wouldn't let them actually dock. And so they went back all deflated. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It made me think about the coronavirus. So it's just puns here that I just can't. Or sexual innuendos. But I just can't get through this. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> 69. <laughs> so they came back to Nashville and they're like, okay, what are we going to do? About not their, their main sexually transmitted disease at this time was gonorrhea and syphilis. And Ooh, 9%, syphilis, no yeah, 9% of Union soldiers actually had an STD. Um, so it was pretty rampant. One in 11 uh, soldiers, you know, 9%, one in 11. Uh, contracted VD in some form from visiting, you know, brothels and stuff. So it was a saying that was going around that Smokey Row killed more soldiers than war, but of course they couldn't keep your 18 to 22 year olds who you think they're going to live forever uh, out of these uh, 
these brothels. Mm -hmm. So timely right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And of course they blamed it on the women. Like you said, it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. uh, it could very well have been brought in from someplace else. I mean, it's just, it was a public health crisis. It was because well, they didn't have antibiotics yet. Yeah. They didn't have antibiotics. They had very, there was no can be modern, with it. <laughs> modern, con uh, contraceptives, and uh so they're like okay how are we going to deal with this so same year actually a couple of months later after the ship got sent back uh george spalding said okay we're gonna to have to use science and practicality and prevention <gasps> oh, to wow. attack this plague that's on their city right 50 now. years later <laughs> still dealing with the same <laughs> statements so they launched a maybe we should send this paper to people anyway so they they launched a multi-pronged fight against stds in nashville he ordered the creation of a hospital for prostitutes who had vd the ladies well in order to pay for this hospital ladies had to register uh, a license to practice so they legalized prostitution and they made it where they would get checked out. They would get a clean bill of health. They paid $5. That money went to help the hospitals. Um, they had to regularly submit to health inspections. And once you did, you got a piece of paper saying that you were clean and good for business. And then they also created uh, a special hospital for soldiers with syphilis. So they would stop spreading it themselves. Mm-hmm. So this program obviously was a success. Uh, yeah. The, num the number of sexually transmitted <laughs> disease fell. Uh, it cleaned up uh, the red light district because, you know, it helped with hygiene. In order to get your license, you had to be clean and you had to submit and you had to do all the things in order to practice business. So if you wanted to be a legitimate business and earn money, then you had to, you know, clean up and ask the same of your clients. And so this really gave a um, big boost to uh, helping stop, prevent the spread of VD. And it became so effective that other cities started to adapt it. So Memphis uh, actually adapted the program of helping to legalize prostitution, basically legalize sex work and uh, cleaned up and helped stop the spread of VD so that the war could continue without killing your own troops. Uh, but of course this scandalized everybody um, outside of these, uh, uh, the area. So it wasn't talked about much and that's, you know, they kind of kept it under wraps and I think it was more like something that was brought to light after the fact. But one of the things that legalizing prostitution did is it actually brought more prostitutes into the um, cities. And so after the war, uh, because they had these programs going, it brought more and more prostitutes uh, with venereal diseases in because they were actually getting treated and not treated as like mm -hmm. a pariah or just, you know, horrible, wow. just, you know, dehumanized mm -hmm. uh, 
person. And so it made the city elders or city leaders, I guess, uh, uncomfortable because, you know, now this, the soldiers were out and we've got to go back to our quote unquote Christian ways. And so <laughs> they criminalized prostitution again and, and it's still criminalized to this day. However, prostitution is still illegal, but in every state but Nevada. And Nevada does have some counties that regulate brothels. But it is proven that decriminalizing sex work of trans and crime. And crime. Mm -hmm. And so, so does the legalization of drugs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that is my story. Prevention of and management. That's not like imprisonment. A, I feel like that's the solution story to my story is like the, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, let's, let's vilify people and shame people or let's use data and science to treat people like human beings and help them right. stay and safe them and healthy. Respect and dignity that mm -hmm. they need to be, you know, always treated with. So that was my story of how well, I had no idea. I didn't either. either. That Nashville, was very good. Of female who couldn't find any other type of work what did so and you new orleans did too ha, for a while legalize it mm, i didn't read about new oh, orleans okay. you said no, memphis this was, did for a while because well this was you this was actually union troops this was not the confederacy uh, okay Those this was union occupied nashville and okay. memphis i don't know if it caught on in memphis and if memphis ever like the union ever took over i don't know my civil war so <laughs> however it spread over to um memphis was you know i don't know can't help you there i just wondered <laughs> no sorry just seems like besides nevada the next the next area i would think would be open to it would you, be new orleans you would think you would think yes but that is that is it that's a good story. Oh, good work, guys. 69. Ah, so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. We, we appreciate you. We hope you learned something and then entertained. <laughs> and don't be ashamed of sex. Nope. And no. No. No shame. And, you know, it's, it's, don't be ashamed of anything. <laughs> really. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, let's yeah. see what else. Here? And join our Patreon. <laughs> and join yeah. our Patreon. Yes, especially after this one, because I have a feeling our after talk for this Patreon is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll Thank talk you. to you later. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. everybody.